Presents Spooky South Ghost with your hosts Tim Weisberg and Matt Costa. Good evening, folks. Welcome to Spooky South Coast. This is Matt Moniz in for Tim Weisberg, who is out this evening at a wedding. I'm joined by Matt Costa, as well as our in studio guest, Michael Lakoyak. Say Hello. hi, Michael. And Melissa Daniels. Hello. Uh, tonight's topic is going to be the everyday person in the paranormal. We would like to cover what the regular everyday person in the paranormal has to offer and say about the subject. This is a subject that has grown in popularity and swept the country as well as parts of the world. And what we want to know is what uh, the John Q. public has found so engrossing and what has tempted them into the unknown. How long have they been doing so and uh, how has it affected them and the way that they see the world? How did they see themselves in the paranormal or investigating in the future. Do they have uh, more things that they would like to see done? I'm sure they do. I would also like to know how their investigative techniques differ from other people and what makes them more interested in learning about new techniques. We also have our favorite guest on the line, uh, Chris Balzano. He'll be joining us. He's the author of a number of paranormal books and the one of his most recent is Picture Yourself Ghost Hunting. It's basically a ghost hunting guide, and uh, we'll be talking to him extensively. And I would also love to hear from you folks out there and know what you have to say about being in the paranormal yourself, whether you've been in it for a long time or have just started to join in. I want your thoughts on Should what we throw out the phone numbers? Yeah. Our phone <laughs> numbers are 508-996-0500. And 508-291-0500. For Wareham in the cave. For Wareham in yeah. the cave, exactly. Now, I'm not used to being in the driver's seat, obviously, Tim That's is. Right. And um, he'll, I think he'll forgive us if we mess up a couple times. Yeah, uh, at least I hope he does. We, we can't mess up more than he does. I, um. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> this is, uh, we'll give it our best is, shot. This is, this is two mats here. Yeah. When, when he put us together, it, it spells trouble. Yeah, so, definitely, definitely. <laughs> I don't know. And with Lucky in the room. Yeah, we're, we're doomed. Luck, Lucky is, uh, I don't know. That's all I can say. <laughs> <laughs> this may be one of these rare shows where you actually get to hear Matt Costa for more than five minutes. I know. Aside from the backyard barbecue. <laughs> but there was a lot of alcohol involved in it? Um, no comment. I don't know. They used, there was. <laughs> there was. There was. There was all. There was all sorts of stuff there. There was. There was alcohol. There was uh, beer. There was a grill that caught on fire. Yeah, the the grill catching Mid- on fire was definitely interesting. Mid show, we didn't even edit that out. That's that's. <laughs> <laughs> we'll try not to have any fires here. Uh, why don't we bring Chris up on the line? It's just so he's not left hanging. Hey, Chris, you there? Yes, uh, Chris. Uh, from uh, Florida, who suffered his own grill fire this afternoon, so uh, <laughs> lucky I was at least able to make it on with you guys tonight. Oh, we're glad you made it on with us as well. Did you save the steaks, Chris? 
Uh, oddly enough, I got the grill start cooking hot dogs and kielbasa, so uh, I don't even want to attempt steaks next time. So, <laughs> although it's a beautiful thing to be able to uh, to grill out there in the uh, in the sunshine, it's 80 degrees out next to the pool, so I'm going to have to rub that in a little bit. Thanks a lot, Chris. We greatly <laughs> appreciate it. Now, how has the success of um, Picture Yourself Go sentiment going? Uh, you know, it's going really well. I mean, the numbers were. For a few weeks, especially in October, I was the number one selling book for my publisher, which was very big given that uh, it's really a prestigious publisher. But even more importantly, it was the only time in the history of this publisher that this series, this Picture Yourself series, which is kind of like um, Dummy's Guide but without the dummy, the first time any book in that series had ever made uh, the number one slot for that publisher. And so it's opened up a lot of really interesting kind of how-to books that are going to be written by some uh, interesting people in the field. So uh, look for this picture yourself to start expanding into the paranormal a little bit more and uh, into the occult a little bit more and producing some good titles, all thanks to good old-fashioned me. So. Hey, uh, I like the way you write. Uh, you've got a number of other good books out there, Dark Woods. You want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, it's, it's funny. You know, Dark Woods has been out for a year now, once again, because of the great holiday season. It um, it really kind of had a rejuvenation this uh this Halloween, and I got a lot of feedback. I've got more feedback from Dark Woods in the past two or three weeks than I have in the year leading uh, in the year since it's been published. So it's being received really well. A lot of controversy out there by it because, uh, especially if you're someone who's investigating, you know, your hometown and things that you've been exposed to. You know, people have come up and said, "Oh, I don't, I've never even heard of that," or, you know, that's ridiculous. But then also, wow, you know, I I knew of all these things that people had whispered them, but uh, no one had ever said it before. No one had ever written it down. So. I'm getting it on both sides of the fence, both of which are, are good for me because I always like a little controversy. Now, have you thought of a follow-up book to it with uh, a lot of the information that's come out since Darkwoods? Um, yeah, I mean, it's all up to uh, to Schiffer where they want to go with it. Um, you know, I, I, I've i gotten a lot of uh, kind of offers to do chapters of other books uh, focusing on the, the South Coast area. Uh, and so I'm just going to kind of... You know, I'm finishing up uh, a book on Boston right now in kind of the, the eastern part of the state, and uh, I'm just going to lay back and take it from there and, and see what comes of it. So it, it's really hard to do uh, regional books when you're not in the region anymore. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you like, know, those quick things like going out and getting a quick picture for, for something or, or following up on an investigation are really, really hard when you're uh, 1,500 miles away. Well, you know we're here to help you if you need us. Just give us a call. We'll do what we can for you. That's why I'm trying to pass on as much as I can to you guys, because I love the way that you work. So. <laughs> well, greatly appreciate it. Now, what about the Bridgewater Triangle book? That was one of the last ones that you just had come out uh, about this area. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's actually been really interesting, because the Bridgewater Triangle is such kind of a, a known name now. You know, uh, places like Spooky South Coast and, and Chris Pittman and me and... And Lauren Coleman are uh, really kind of bringing that more to the forefront because we're seeing that, you know, a lot of people are experiencing things, but also there's a huge interest for it out there. So uh, oddly enough, I get people that are, you know, emailing me from outside the country or, or for some, you know, small little town in Wisconsin that have bought the Bridgewater Triangle book just because it's, it's such a, an appealing topic now. So I'm interested to see where that one goes uh, in the coming months as well because so many people uh, have been picking it up and kind of emailing me about it and telling me, you know, I've had something like this uh it's happened very similar and where I live. There's this kind of triangle. So between that and the you know the Tampa Triangle that's down here, I think I've got my hands full for the uh, the next few years with good uh, topics. Well, that kind of ties into what tonight's topic is because uh, the Bridgewater Triangle is replete with all kinds of hauntings in the area, and a lot of people now getting into these 
uh, paranormal investigations. Of course, with your book, Picture Yourself Ghost Hunting, which makes a pretty darn good guide for people to follow if they've never really gone out and done it before. It lends itself, yeah, I mean, you know. It's something that I, I never thought would happen with the book. Uh, I thought it would basically be one of those things that people who are maybe interested in uh, or people who are starting out or even people who were, um, have been investigating for a few years. But what I'm finding is a lot of um, groups are kind of adopting it as a manual for what they're going out there and doing, which is, which is good, you know, because I want people to, uh, to kind of, you know, all be on the same, uh, on the same page as investigators uh, if they're working in a group. It's just very freaky to me that now people are ordering the bulk book at, you know, 10, 15, 20 copies at a time and handing it out uh, for classes that they're conducting. Or they're ordering 10, 15 of them and handing it out to their investigators and making notes kind of like in the corners of the pages for things that they discuss in meetings and things like that. So it's, uh, it's very cool that it's become that kind of thing for some people. Well, that makes me wonder, what what is it from your perspective as a writer to translate it into the act of doing the investigation? I, I think one of the things I really stress in the book is to uh, take a little bit of the, the mysticism out of the mystic, if you will, um, to prepare yourself really well when you're out in the field so that when you're out in the field that kind of um, instantaneous fight-or-flight risk doesn't kind of take over and you lose the opportunity to get some really good evidence or to, to experience something. So it's good that this book is kind of, as a writer, I was trying to prepare people for that type of thing, to, to give them as much knowledge as they could possibly have from different perspectives, which is why I brought in so many different investigators and why that DVD that's along with it that features, you know, Matt Mooney's himself um, <laughs> talking about some things. Why I thought that was so important was because, you know, a lot of this is uh, about the, the thrill and about the moment, and yet sometimes when the moment happens, all of a sudden, you know, people are, the, you know, some of the best investigators on paper, and then you, something happens and, whoop, they're flying out the door. So uh, my, my goal was really to make something that people could enjoy is kind of even a, just a history of ghosts, but then kind of prepare them for what things might happen in the field so that when they happen, not only can they observe them really well, but they cannot be intimidated by them and kind of try to, you know, take that opportunity that they have to look at them up close. It gets them prepared for what they may encounter and a way to also provide contingencies in case things do because you list, you know, if you see this, you're able to, you should do this or that or be prepared for this or that, like you right, have written right. in the book. Exactly. Now, we have a couple of people in the studio. You know uh, Lucky or, or Mike Lukowiak, obviously. Hello. Right. How are you doing, Chris? And, How are you uh, doing? <laughs> and, of course, uh, lovely Miss Melissa Daniels. Hi, Chris. Hi, how are you? Good. <laughs> now, both of these people are people I've investigated with in the past, and they've gotten into this within the past, you know, five years or so. And they go out on the occasional weekend when, you know, time and money affords them. And this is more like for the audience your book was written for, for the people that aren't really involved in groups but are interested in going out and seeing what they can see and trying to, you know, do investigations. Like I said, I've been investigating with both of them. These type of uh, audiences are definitely what your book is geared for. Now here's a chance for you to ask a couple of people that have just started questions that you may have. I mean, I guess the first question I would have, which is kind of the what I start the book out with, is, is one of the kind of the, the first questions you need to confront. It's not answer, at least confront, and and oppose it to you guys. And that is, why are you doing this? Uh, what do you hope to gain, or what do you hope to understand or not understand um, by going out there and doing these investigations? 
I'll uh, I'll let Melissa take this first because we are actually talking about this already in the car. Yeah. So we'll uh, <laughs> she could take this because we will have two different views, which is kind of good because they're on like two different sides. Well, for me, uh, I got into investigating just to help families. Um, so mainly that's my main focus when I do investigations is to help families that are in trouble. I mean, getting evidence is always nice and it's great to get, but my main focus is always to you know help those that are in, in need and reaching out to me. And I think your book's a great idea for independent investigators in the fact that you can follow protocol and not be involved in the same group. If you have the same guidelines to go through, you can all come together and work on an investigation and still have a working flow for things. Would you like to hear my side of it now? Sure. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm more on the, uh, I got into it originally, I mean, I saw my first, like, experience when I was very young and always had questions about, like, you know, if it was real or if it wasn't real, what's out there. So I'm more into the uh, what is there out there, why is it out there, um, what kinds of different hauntings are there, and the reason for it behind it, like, it kind of touches on what Melissa said, you know, people have different kinds of hauntings and you, you want to find out why they're in that area. Is it linked to the family? Is it linked to the house? Is it linked to the environment? Is it, is it something else? I mean, I'm more interested in the what, why, where, when type of thing. And also the background of the history and what era, you know, the haunting may be from. You know, what time period, you know, is the ghost from? Is it from someone, you know, a family member now? Or is it something from, you know, Civil War periods? And I'm kind of more into the history and science of it of getting to know what's out there. Like Melissa said, you know, I guess they kind of go hand in hand. I mean, she's more into the helping the families out, which I guess you kind of have to figure all that out anyway to help the family out. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's, you know, it's really hard to, especially nowadays, promote yourself as someone who is out there to help uh, a family or to help someone because, you know, A, where do you get your your practice? (laughs) You know, where do you get your knowledge on, on how to handle things? Then where do you get, like, your practice in the field where do you get like that experience to be able to help the family you know so you have to kind of and then most and then after that where do you get the, to the point where you can promote yourself oh, um, and you can get yourself out there and that that's one of the kind of you know the, the, the big leap you have to make when as you're starting paranormal investigating if you do have those goals to not only understand not only gather research but also to help people yeah get the word out there and get yourself out there to kind of put yourself in a position where you can interact with people, and you, you're not just kind of going out there legend tripping, you know, going to famously haunted places or places that have that supposed-to-be-haunted feel to them uh, or ones you read on websites, but, you know, genuine people in need. Uh, because, I mean, this, this field has such a human side to it and has such a, um, uh, it touches humanity so much, and an investigator can't just be an investigator. They have to be a psychologist, a sociologist, a family counselor, um, many in many ways, Problem not solver. necessarily in the, uh, the science of ghost hunting, but they have to be a scientist too. I, I know Moniz and I were talking, I think maybe yesterday or a few days ago, about uh, a case that was coming up in New Hampshire, yeah. and it was clear that both of us had knew enough about, <laughs> oddly enough, both of us knew enough about psychology and you know uh, specifically like bipolar disease that we were able to carry on a conversation and, and kind of talk about the potential for this haunting that I was getting uh, information on not being that way. Um, Necessarily. Because, yeah. of we, because we knew that brain chemistry, we knew about um, drugs. I know it sounds weird to say, we knew about drugs um, and how those affect it. And so it's a really big leap to go, for, and a huge time commitment to go from being someone who just kind of likes to go out there and 
maybe gather some evidence in their local cemetery to someone who can genuinely go out there and investigate and help people. Because you need, not only do you need the experience, but you need so much other information. And you need to do those simple things Lucky was talking about, like how to do research on a house, how to do research on an area, you know, how to realize that your computer can only take you so far. It can take you like a, very far. But at some point, you have to get out there into the town records. You have to get out there to the un-digitally archived uh, newspapers that are in you know, certain towns that this might be happening in. And that's, that's the thing that really should not be avoided, but should be embraced by the, the kind of modern-day investigator. Well, that's the good thing about like your book is that most people, when they find out, I'm a little, I mean, I've been into it for a while, for a while and I'm, you know, I'm a little more seasoned than someone just coming into it, which is you know good because I'm getting a lot of questions. Like when people find out that I do investigations, like just like the layman people, they always have like they either have one reaction or the other reaction. One reaction is either like, oh sure, you know, whatever, and then the other people are always like, oh really, like how do you get into something like that? Like, how do you, that's always the first question of how, how do you always get into something like that? And that's, what's great about, you know, your book now is that, you know, it gives somebody that has that question. How do you, how do you start this? It gives you like an immediate, you know, idea of how to get into, you know, picture yourself ghost hunting. You know, it, it shows you kind of like a step-by-step, you know, it's, and like you said, people have to, there's there's a lot of places out there that are known to be haunted. I mean, you know, Waverly, Stanley, you know, Lizzie Borden's and stuff like that. And sure, it's great and all to go to those places where their history is readily available on the web. I mean, it's right there. Right. Everything's known. There's stories about hauntings there. But then you've got the family that, you know, you've got your friend that goes, man, you know what? I've got this weird stuff happened to my house. And, you know, we, we just moved in and, you know, hearing voices and footsteps. And that's where real investigating has to come into play as opposed to going to your everyday everyone knows it's haunted place right and and, and there is a huge uh, social aspect of this um, you know I always thought of myself as a freelancer which allowed me to work with you know some of the best people in Massachusetts um, I know I know Matt is the same way and I know that a, a lot of investigators that him and I have worked with uh, assemble as a team and, and we're able to be like hey lucky do you want to come out and check out the accushion house with us and get some really good, you know, evidence and information that way. But there is a huge social aspect of this in terms of making that leap, or in terms of finding mentors out there. You know, it's 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 really good to read a book like mine, and everyone should read my book. But there's also this really, you know, this part where, like, when you're out in the field, seeing someone do something, um, and kind of modeling what they're doing, and also seeing what they're doing and saying, "Huh, I don't really think that it's an effective way," and being able to challenge that. That can only be done when you start going out with people who are more experienced than you, so you can rise to that. And one of the things I found is I was kind of going through some of the better paranormal kind of how-to books that were out there, uh, was that there wasn't a lot of embracing of that social aspect of it. How do I join a group? How do I find people in my area that are willing to kind of take me on? Um, what are the pitfalls of that? You know, what are the things I'm going to tackle? You know, a lot of people go into a group thinking a certain thing, and then all of a sudden they're confronted with that, you know, that... that lead investigator mentality where this person kind of runs the group like a dictatorship or they, they all of a sudden realize they're in a group with two cousins who have constantly fought with each other their entire lives but they happen to also be investigating together and they carry that into it um and so even though those things that might seem like they're common common practice and common sense a lot of people don't understand that and so there is a, a social aspect of it too and when you get with good investigators they can kind of lift you up to kind of uh, understand the best that is out there. 
But when you're with bad investigators, they can do the same exact thing because you can really kind of solidify, you know, no, I don't, I don't like that idea. That's, that's not where I fall. Yeah, and, it helps. You know, it exposes you to a lot of different techniques. Um, even in just kind of going through the DVD and finding the different people and showing the way different people are approaching things, we saw some very dramatic uh, differences in approaches. And it was, you know, a, a refreshing thing for someone getting in who might say, well, you know what? I think Matt Moniz is absolutely crazy. I would never investigate like that. But well, wait a minute. Right. Here's someone. <laughs> <laughs> they would definitely be right. I, ne- I wouldn't trust you with my, you know, with my dog, never mind uh, with my house. So, you know, which I obviously care about my house more than my dog. I actually have neither. But, um, but you know, like they could, they could find something about Matt that maybe they like and then something about another investigator they like and then all of a sudden they can kind of take what for them are the best parts of some of the best investigators in New England. You yeah. kind of move forward with what, with what they want to do. I think that's one thing that's great about this field is that we all come from different circles of life. We all have different jobs, usually outside of the paranormal, so we can bring those things into it as well. Yeah, yeah. I know when I was a little kid, I mean, uh, we were obsessed with playing Army. We always played Army. We went during the summer every single day from 8 o'clock till, you know, when the lights came on and our parents all called us and we spent playing Army. And... The first thing we always did, we knew every day, were roll dice to see who got to pick first, and then we picked our specialties. You know, and back then it was, all right, he's good with cars, and this person that you know is in charge of all the all the weapons, and this person's good at the hand-to-hand combat, and this person's communications. When you can find investigators that fill those roles, and you and you when you work with people enough, you find out what their specialties are. I'm not a big person on tags or titles, but I'm a good. I'm, I'm really high on using what people do best. I like to think one of the things I do best are interpersonal communication. So I always like to be the person that's, like, leading the interview and kind of, you know, taking charge of that kind of thing. But someone like Lucky has, you know, being a professional photographer, has a lot to bring to the table to any group or just any investigation because he has that skill. It's funny because we think we need to become maybe what we've seen on television or maybe what we've read about in books as investigators when really what we should be doing is taking the part of us that's the best. What do you do best? What is your, like, inherent quality? Bring that to the table. Uh, And you'll find, actually, that that when you can approach it from a much more genuine way like that, that the results you get seem to kind of... uh, uh, You're starting to produce better things than maybe some investigators who are just kind of going out there saying, well, this is what I've seen other people do, so even though it's not what I do, I'm going to go forward with that. It doesn't hurt to try it, but you're right. You... You borrow the best parts that work for you, that you find give you the best results that you're the most comfortable with. Some people may be more comfortable working with the medium. Other people may not. Some people may want to use actual film. Other people want to do digital. You know, it, you work within the comfort strains that you, that you like and that you are comfortable with. Yeah, what I found out with also was the uh, with investigating. I mean. When I first started doing it, I mean, you go out, you, you know some basic techniques, and you see someone like Matt comes 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 along. I mean, I've learned a lot from Matt over the years, and you know, Matt comes along, and you can't be afraid to ask that person, you know, how do you set up, you know, IR cameras, and you know, how how do you, you know, uh, you know, when I analyze this, you know, data, you know, how do I save this? You know, it's one of those things where it's a learning experience. Even till today, I mean, I'm sure years from now, I'll still be calling Matt, you know. 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock at night asking, you know, Matt, how do I do this? No. <laughs> well, I still learn from other people that have just started in this because, I, in a sense, I'm jaded. I've been in it a while, and I've 
I'm so used to doing things. I've lost that, you know, that new look into that, you know, what it was like to when I first got in there. I mean, I still have those, you know, sensations and feelings when something happens. Yeah, well, great. Yeah. But I, I am jaded, and I have to say, you know, when I first started, you know, on Spooky South Coast, and even up until recently, I, I, I was annoyed by all of these new people jumping in. I'm thinking, you know, what they, but then I realized, wait a minute, I was them once too, and this is really something that should be looked at by a lot of people, especially if they want to look at it. I mean, I can't begrudge them to, you know, having the same questions I had and wanting to look. The, the people that have been in here, you know, like myself, like Tom Diagas, you know, uh, you know, like, the Johnsons and stuff like that it, to help the people that are just, you know, getting into this now through the benefit of our, our mistakes and experiences along the way there, even though, you know, they're new, they're still going to be making the same mistakes that we do. We still make the same mistakes uh, on occasion because every case is different. You do the same thing over and over again. You can make mistakes because not every situation is exactly the same. Oh, I'll set this over here. I know last time I I did this like this, it didn't work out, but this place is different. Well, you fr you find, well, it carries over into that too. Same thing with the things that also uh, garner responses, good responses. Like, you know, this worked and I got a good response with this, and then you can also hopefully carry that over as well to get good responses in new places. Understand what yeah, I mean? I mean, if you could, if you could imagine uh, a good investigation, now whether that means the investigation is conducted well or the investigation produces good results or evidence or, you know, like, like you were saying, being able to help the family. If you can imagine it kind of in a 3D model and it's kind of a combination of the nature of the haunting, the environment that the haunting is in, and then the history uh, of the location. And when you can take kind of all those factors and then kind of factor in the family dynamics and, and kind of come up with, you know, a, some kind of 3D model that, that you can... And understand that, that's when you can investigate something really well. That's when you can really kind of evaluate what's going on. And those factors are always different because the location is never the same. So you can't approach it the same way or the family dynamics not the same. You know, you have kind of templates, if you will, or things you can go on back on um, that you, oh, well, I had a very similar investigation. Here's what worked, but that's not necessarily going to work. And so you have to kind of keep that open mind and understand that, you know, when you, especially when you're trying to, explain the unexplained, uh, mm. the variables pile up very, very quickly. Yes, they do. And so you have to kind of be able to be open-minded enough during an investigation to understand that, you know, this may need to be hit from a variety of, of, of different places. And, and, and just kind of as an example, uh, we've taken photographs, Lucky's taken photographs of the Cushion House. Uh, we've taken extensive video. We actually wanted to even hook up something and just leave it running for an entire night. Uh, and video-wise, nothing. Right. Um, Energy-wise, like all our meters and things uh, and that kind of equipment, and that nature of equipment we brought in, nothing. Um, whereas that might have worked in another house, and yet the EVP evidence that we were able to get is overwhelming. You know, so that was a location where, regardless of how we approached it, and the good thing was we approached it from several different angles on different investigations because we had that opportunity because they allowed us to do that more than once. Right. We got the best evidence when we were really focusing on getting uh, getting something audio, and 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 that's just an example of. I always say that you should probably investigate a place 
three times or be physically in a location three times before you ever talk to to the people about what might be going on there. You know, enough to kind of settle them so that they're, so what are you saying? I'm not going to, you know, what happened? I'm not going to say anything, you know, until the next time I see you, until I've been here three times. You know, you can put them at ease and say you want to come back and, you know, there are some things you want to investigate. But, you know, being able to approach a place from three different, you know, perspectives, three different kind of focuses, different times. And then also compare those things makes you really be able to understand what might be going on in a house or a location a lot better. I, I agree, Chris. And uh, right now we got to take a break. we got some commercials. When we come back, we're going to talk to, hopefully, Indy Lake, who's out on an investigation. So uh, talk to you in a few minutes, Chris. Turn on all your lights, lock the doors, and pull down the shades. Spooky South Coast is back. Welcome back, folks. Welcome back to Spooky South Coast. Ah, good, good mix there, man. Good mix. A little bit of what was that from? Phantasm. Phantasm. You yeah. got it right, right on the nose. Yeah. Boy, <laughs> that was that was actually a good movie. Uh, you know, for its day. Uh, on the line, I believe we have Mr. Andy Lake checking in from a uh, investigation. Do you think we can bring him up? I suppose. All right, thanks. Do you want, do you want to throw the phone numbers again? Yeah, we'd also questions. like to hear from you out there and your experiences and what you like about the paranormal and any paranormal stories you want to share with us. New Bedford area is 508-996-0500. We're having the Cape, 508-291-0500. But right now, let's hook up with Andy. Hey, Andy, how are you doing out there? Hey, Matt, how's it going? All right. How was your investigation this evening? It uh, it was uh, about three hours long, and it was a, uh, a very interesting location. But um, you know how most of these things go when an historic society lets you into a uh, historic uh, building. You usually get surrounded with uh, every member of the town council who's seen ghost hunters. Right. And, uh, <laughs> and you try to do the best you can. But uh, very interesting location, very interesting stories. House definitely had a vibe to it. We took many EVP sessions and had... Um, four video cameras going so we'll see if uh, we picked anything up all right now are you at liberty to discuss the location or no it's it's uh we, i don't want to uh, disclose that uh right now can we at uh, least disclose the state uh rhode island okay <laughs> okay thank you andy house was uh they uh are guessing from historic records 1745 okay but there is a story that there might have been a structure on the land during the King Philip War, and a little bit of a shootout and battle ensued on the property during the King Philip War. All right. Now, what kind of activity has been reported in the place? Well, recently in September, uh, interestingly enough, a uh, Native American shaman was visiting the house and uh, picked up on many of the things that have been picked up on others. There seems to be a gentleman in one of the downstairs um, uh, parlors, the front corner parlor, who uh, has a little bit of an attitude. Um, people have seen him, uh, most of all, uh, felt his presence, uh, felt very uncomfortable in the room. Hmm. Uh, there is a young girl upstairs named Sarah. Three mediums have picked up on that name, and uh, they've also gotten an EVP recently uh, of uh, a young girl saying the name Sarah. A photograph was taken. We have not seen it yet, but a photograph was taken by a member of the Historic Society and it seems to show a um, a little girl in the photograph. So we're waiting to see that uh, bit of evidence. 
many many EVPs and also an EVP of a um, a woman who sounded to have a uh, uh, an African American a Southern tone to her voice. That sounds like an interesting place. Uh, Very interesting. I would like to join you guys on your next foray there. Yes, we've already uh, been discussing uh, when we can return. They apparently are having the Native American shaman uh, who picked up on the little girl as well and uh, some of the other uh, people moving about the house. He's coming back later this month to, um, to bless the house, to uh, cleanse the, the house of its, uh, of its spirits. And uh, I have no doubt that uh, you know, he'll be able to succeed, but uh, I've been asked if I can come back afterwards to see if he did succeed. I'd like to join you on that. Yes, I'll definitely uh, bring you along. All right. Greatly appreciate it, Andy. And I want to thank you for your part in uh, helping out with the Faring Tavern investigation. I hope you enjoyed uh, Oh, that, that that place is wonderful. Uh, I, I can't wait to go back. I know they said there's no heat in it, but I'll just wear long johns and a, a scarf and hat if we get to go back this winter. Uh, I think we're going to have, if I'm not mistaken, Maddie, uh, a number of different opportunities in the upcoming months oh, yeah. to be in there. Did we um, ever get an answer on the other house? Uh, yeah, I got something from uh, Carl, and uh, we're going to be working on it. But that's a private residence, and they're more interested in keeping uh, things okay. to themselves. But we're going to be allowed to investigate, it looks like, uh, there. Believe it or not, the uh, Historical so- Society actually liked us. Yeah. And they, they're willing to... Uh, they're willing to let us into a number of other historical uh, places around Wareham and everything, which is really cool. It's, That's slamming. It's not only uh, great to investigate a place, but it's just a really great to go into a place that's that, well, old. And to have the, the place yourself is just really cool. I I want to know if you can also bring Chris up so he can actually join us. Join Chris in us. Yeah, Chris Balzano in with us. Hey, sorry to leave you hanging there, Chris. Oh, no problem. It's actually, I, I started talking and uh, then realized that I wasn't on the air. So, uh, <laughs> once again, uh, I, was, I was made a fool of, but unfortunately no one heard it. But, uh, Andy, how are we doing tonight, buddy? I'm doing very well, Chris. And yourself? Excellent, excellent. I, I think kind of one of the things you're saying um, really hits in with what the discussion we were having before we got on, which is, uh, and my question to you is, why... Um, are the people at this location going for a cleansing? Is there, is there negative that's, stuff that's, that's happening that's, there? That's or the question, That's the question that was uh, uh, top of my mind, and I, and I had a conversation with one of the women uh, as um, they were closing down for the night. And it's funny, she's saying in one breath, I've never experienced anything in the house at all. And then the next breath she's saying, but I don't like being in there alone. And then she's right. talking about taking somebody up on a cleansing. So I, I think it's the house is making people feel very, very uneasy with its activity. You know, it's always one of those um, challenges, especially uh, like we were talking about before with helping a family. Um, you know, is it is it about understanding what's going on, uh, or is it about coming to terms with what's going on? Is it about um, getting whatever is out, whatever might be in there, out of it? And, and I and I found that most people don't want it out or don't care about it being out unless something negative is going on, and yet. You know, I kind of think all of us are kind of like uh, serial killers. You know, we don't necessarily want them around, but uh, we would love to have a live specimen to be able to investigate and understand. Yeah, exactly. Well, even one of the members of the Historic Society even brought that up and said, and, and why are we having the house cleansed again? I, I thought we liked these ghosts. And uh, oh, right. one, one of the women brought up, she's like, well, I, I just think, you know, we should get rid of them because it's just it's just negative. We don't want anything negative about the house. Right, and, and it becomes one of those things, you know, are we... 
Um, not that I think that we've made advances necessarily in that aspect of the paranormal, but are we kind of treading on the ground of, of whether it might be something spiritual or just something, you know, losing an opportunity to investigate, or, or are we crushing some really great opportunities to understand, understand the paranormal by having that gut reaction control our approach to the paranormal and just say, just get rid of it, you know? Um, yeah. yeah well, it's a lot more understandable in a private residence than it is in a... This is this is this is this place is a uh, actually a museum. Mm, okay. So no, no one's really living there. And the thing is, is I heard nothing. I heard nothing that sounded frightening or uh, demonic or non-human. Uh, nothing that seemed really unpleasant, except this kind of sour gentleman that they think haunts that front uh, downstairs parlor. But I just don't see any point in, in ridding a house that has character like that. I mean, if. Essentially, you're making a ghost some, homeless. Some, some of the help is just a little bit scared of the place and hoping for some it, kind of relief. It's one of the questions I always ask families when I'm there. Was there anything scary or frightening or unsettling about the experience other than the fact it was not supposed to happen? And I think that's an interesting distinction to make because you know, we do have that kind of um, you know, feeling from our gut and that, and that emotional response to it which is the same emotional response we have to seeing a spider or anything else unpleasant that right. might be kind of freaky. You know, I've got a three-year-old, and that's the way he reacts to things. You know what I'm saying? When he sees a spider, it's like, freak out, run! Well, when, you know, <laughs> and, of course, when Weirdo Dad comes and takes the spider and puts it in his hand and lets the kid touch it, now all of a sudden he wants to know all about spiders. Right, right. Very good uh, analogy. Thank you. I did wash my hands. It actually happened while I was cooking those hot, uh, aforementioned uh, hot dogs, so I did wash my hands before serving the food. And is is this the reason why the grill caught on fire? <laughs> you know, I, I think I think it had I think the the spiders here are like the size of my hand. And I think it was making a little home in the grill, and that you know the fire kind of flushed it from its house and kind of made it uh, pop up and say, you know, what are you guys doing there? So show so often Chris grills. <laughs> I'm a, I'm just happy to you know obviously it's difficult being here in Florida, but I'm happy to not be in my second floor apartment and unable to grill that's been the greatest thing since other than you know my my wife being pregnant now the greatest thing that's happened since i've moved down here is i've been able to grill like five of the seven nights a week oh you still got to come up for some of my charring of mammal yeah. flesh <laughs> infamous charring of mammal flesh definitely yeah. uh andy i thank you for calling in uh we'll probably uh be hooking up with you later on in future shows okay and hey, uh being on I greatly appreciate you checking in with us. Thank you, Andy. Hey, take it easy, Chris. Thank you. See you later. To, uh, Andy, see you later, man. Bye-bye. Andy Lake from Greenville Paranormal. He brought up a, an interesting point. We have historic societies now asking for these places to be looked into. You, you not only have people interested in going out and finding places that are haunted, we have places that are uh, haunted or reported to be haunted and people looking to have them looked into now years ago stuff like that didn't really happen as often as they do now and i think most of that has to do with the media and uh the way it is uh influenced the way people have thought now let me ask our two in-studio guests a couple of questions you know so so they because they do represent a um a, a good cross-section of the people that are out there, and I, I think their answers would be reasonable to what the average person out there would, would answer. All right. Now, in doing paranormal research, 
Has it changed you in any way? And if so, how? I'll start with you, Lucky. Oh, I was going to say ladies first. No, but. you can go ahead. Again, we'll start with Lucky. Oh. <laughs> oh. Oh. Look at tables here. <laughs> um, changed me. Um, it's opened my eyes more. I mean, it's made me look at things a little differently. Um, if you hear that, you know. Define differently. What is different? Uh, differently is in, you know, knowing that there's something more out there. Uh, kind of like, you know, I'll be in my living room or something, or I'll be somewhere and I'll hear something and. Instead of thinking, you know, oh, you know, it was just nothing, I'll, I'll give it a second guess, you know, maybe ask a few questions, um, you know, you never know. And uh, just, it's also brought in a whole, you know, like, I, I, when I first started doing it, I didn't realize there was so much, like, research you could do. Yeah. And, you know, so much background you had access to publicly. And, I, you know, I didn't know stuff like that before I even, people started teaching me, you know, you know, you can go to public records. And, you know, I was like, really? Yeah. You know, I could find out about people's houses and stuff and it's fantastic <laughs> and, and like you know that's and, how much my neighbor made last year yeah oh my god i didn't uh, and, and like in the beginning i didn't realize you know some of the equipment and i've actually not only learns more about you know what is out there beyond us and what's out there paranormally but i've also learned a little bit more about science uh, i've learned a little bit more about history and religions what i've been studying you know studying stuff about certain religions and what their beliefs are uh, how they foresee things. Uh, I've also learned more, you know, technical stuff now about, you know, different equipment to use and EMFs and, you know, K2s and, you know, all kinds of, like, you know, recording. And then also putting stuff into the computer and editing stuff now. So not only am I learning more about paranormal and what's out there, but I'm also learning more about stuff I can use outside of paranormal. I noticed that you used the word learning several times. Not so in a, in a sense, what you're saying, it's changed you in a way that you've decided you want to learn more, oh. m learn more things. Oh, I want to learn more about, you know, everything from paranormal to the <coughs> equipment. So I, I find it to be you know, unlimited about how much you want to. So it's opened your horizons to more than just, you know, wanting to know about the great beyond. It's, oh, it, yeah. it's opened more, more avenues for you. Okay. Definitely. Now, Melissa, same question. How has doing the paranormal investigations changed you in what ways? Um, well, it's changed me in a lot of ways. Um, in my old group, I was their case manager, so I got into doing a lot of research on the history of locations that we would go on to as well as um, genealogy and things like that. So it really opened my eyes to the history of my own family, for one. Um, I didn't know, you know, where a lot of my family came from, so it also taught me avenues to find out those things. Uh, and I became a member of a historical society from where I used to live. Um, so it definitely broadened my horizons where that's concerned. But also, when I was young, I had several experiences that, you know, for, for a child, usually would, would frighten you. And it frightened me a lot when I was a child. And as I grew up and started learning about the paranormal, I started to understand that these are things that are out there that, you know, I really don't have to be afraid of. A lot of it is, you know, residual, and a lot of it's just a person that, you know, passed away and led a normal life, and they're not out to hurt you. They're just there. And that helped me to be able to explain to the clients, you know, that there's not really a lot to be afraid of when it comes to the paranormal. There's not a lot out there that can hurt you. So in my understanding, I'm able to better communicate that to the client. Now, how about you, Chris? How has doing this changed you? Well, it's interesting that, you know, both, both, uh, both of them said learning and teaching and, and 
uh, you know, and approached it from two very different perspectives. Um, Lucky was more of, now I want to go out and I want to learn. Um, and I'm sorry, I keep forgetting. Melissa. The, I keep forgetting. Melissa. And Melissa was much more of, um, it was much more of the, it helps me now understand what might have happened to me and then bring that understanding to someone else. Because it fits right in with um, the thing that I'm most excited that I'm working on right now, which is the whole uh, Ghost Village for Children uh, project uh, that Jeff and I are working on some other people. Um, because the paranormal can be a really good way to learn not just about ghosts, but about your local history or the history of our country. Um, but also, there are some very sticky situations that kind of have to do with the, the paranormal in terms of, um, you know, what happens when your child says to you, you know, I think there's something under my bed, uh, or something might really be going on in, in a location. Uh, might really, there might really be something under your child's bed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those are the things that we are kind of like looking to, to tackle. So I really highly encourage people to do that, especially the, the ghost in the classroom section that I'm looking to build up over the next couple of months and really provide educators um, with some kind of real hands-on lessons that involve ghosts, that involve uh, kind of creepy legends uh, and things like that that they can they, they bring into their classroom and engage their kids on that level. Um, but then, like I said, uh, there also has an entire section just on how to communicate with your child about the potential for there really to be ghosts. Paranormal so teaching that, tools. Ex- exactly, and, and I've been doing that for 12 years. I'm not officially allowed to do it right now in my new school. I've been banned uh, from mentioning the word ghost in my new school, which is interesting. But um, Why is that? Wow. Um, you know, I'm, I'm in the South, and there are, it's an Episcopal school, and it has some very, um, some very strong-willed parents who disagree with the, with the, with the concept. And, and although I've said, which I really think, no matter what way you're approaching the paranormal, it is, uh, it is the question and learning the questions to ask and not necessarily the answers we get that are important. Right. Um, and so I really kind of, you know, tried to talk with uh, the head of my school about that. Like, I'm not saying ghosts are real in the classroom. I'm not saying that, you know, religiously this is this is the what, where how what they are and how how the world is and how the afterlife is. What I'm doing is trying to get them to think critically and ask good questions. And so I think that if I had to say what the paranormal has taught me, um, it's that. Uh, I think that you know these things will never really fully understand them, and I'm not quite sure I really want to fully understand them, um, but it's helping me to realize uh, that questions need to be asked, and questions have to be formulated the right way. Um, and so that's kind of what uh, the way that I've changed since I started this, and that, and that, you know, I really kind of look to not answer the great truths, but figure out what the questions are that might get me there. All right. All right. Thank you very much for that, Chris. We're coming up on the uh, news hour. And when we come back, we'll do a little bit of the Week and Weird, and we'll get back into our discussions. I would like to have people call in with some of their thoughts. 508-996-0500 for New Bedford. 508-291-0500 for Wareham in the Cape area. And we'll be right back in, uh, after the news. Spooky South Coast is back. Are you ready? I am always ready. I am ready. I'm not afraid. You will be 
Welcome back to Spooky South Coast. I'm Matt Moniz here with the Silent Assassin, Matt Costa. Tim Weisberg is out for the evening. We made it to the second hour. Believe it. I, I'm, I don't believe it. You know, I don't believe it either. I have a whole newfound respect for Tim and how effortless he makes us look. Oh, yeah. And well, he, he's a talker. He likes to talk. He, he's a good <laughs> talker, which helps. You know, he, he, can, he can definitely talk yeah. and uh, he can hold a conversation very well. I guess that's good in talk radio. Uh, it's a plus. It definitely is a plus. <laughs> yeah. well, we miss him anyway. If he's listening, yeah, which I don't we, think he is. W- I, I think he's um, he, uh, he been li- to the open bar at this wedding a, you know, a few I, times. If he was listening, I think he would have drunk and di- drunk dialed us already. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm <laughs> I sure he would have. a story for you. Uh, hey, I, love I you got guys. something paranormal. Yeah. I love you. You guys are awesome. <laughs> I want to cut to Tim. (laughs) And uh, we digress. Yes, we do. Get some housekeeping details to uh, attend to. Uh, You you got on on the line. We have uh, Elizabeth from the Bay State Paranormal Center that's going to tell us about a few of our, uh, not our, her her upcoming events. Elizabeth. Hello. Hi, Matt and Matt. Hi. How are you guys doing tonight? Spooktacular, as Tim would say. <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize he wasn't in. Now we can oh, really yes. be naughty, huh? Yep, we can talk all sorts of smack. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that we can. Um, we, we talk smack with Tim here. That's true. Yeah, well, kick it up a notch. <laughs> I'm so glad you guys are having me on. The, i I got to tell you, right now I'm on cloud nine. As you know, I opened up the Bay State Paranormal Center. Yep. And this is our second weekend open, and it was another great, fabulous Saturday night. But one of the things that I dreamed about happening when I opened the place, actually, you know, it really happened tonight. Chris Pittman was here. He showed up and gave a presentation. All he right. sure did. That's There's dream number itself. one. Oh, yeah, Matt. That's a feat in itself. Yep. You know, it was Cryptozoological Mysteries in Massachusetts in you know, everyone just sits here agog. Like, he is just a great storyteller, and um, he's got some great stories, which, you know, it's half the battle. But what happened afterwards is what was so awesome. People sat and talked, ah. and it was great intellectual talk about, you know, um, cryptozoology, standing stones, um, all sorts of stuff. And, you know, it, it's like you want to all the times you wanted to be a fly on the wall, you know, at the place of some great conversation, and here I am sitting there. It was just phenomenal, and that's what I wanted for this place, was to be something like that. So I'm thrilled, and oh. I look forward to that happening again and again. We're glad that it happened for you, and like I said, Chris has a wonderful collection of uh, events and uh, a database that, most people would kill to have as far as UFO reports and cryptozoology reports and stuff like that. So you made a good choice bringing him in to speak on it. I don't think I've made a wrong choice yet. I mean, I can't well, wait for yeah, you to come Yeah, I was going to say, you're having me come in. That ought to prove it right there. I'm already selling tickets for you. Uh, <laughs> she's already selling ticket for you. Yeah. yeah well, <laughs> that would probably be more accurate if they're coming to see me. Yeah. yeah a yeah. ticket, yeah. People are excited about I you coming. I keep telling my sister she doesn't have to do this. <laughs> <laughs> but people are excited about you coming to talk, and there's a lot of UFO enthusiasts in the area. So, you know, there really is no other outlet 
like this anywhere. No, there actually isn't. You know, people have been really great about stopping by and just welcoming me to this neighborhood and thanking me for doing this um, because, as you know, we're not exactly mainstream people. And, you know, a lot of us have kept this under wraps and it's our secret life or whatnot. And so many people have just come in and said, you know what, now I have a place to go and belong and some place where I can express myself without being looked at like I'm a nut, you know. Well, so. that, that's kind of like what tonight's topic is, is about, is people, the normal, everyday person that's involved in the paranormal. Now yeah. they have a place to go to to check out books and people that actually speak on the topics. Exactly. Um, I had Dave Manchin here earlier today, and, you know, he did my author's day. And while, you know, people were filtering in and out, we just had some of the greatest conversation about investigations, about situations that have happened, personal experiences, and just just a plethora of conversation and topics that just went on and on and on. It was just phenomenal to be able to, to have something like that go on, you know, and just to be a part of it. And then he gave this awesome lecture on equipment in the paranormal, which I think should be a requirement for anyone that's investigating. Um, he brought in tons of equipment and talked about why the equipment was in invented in the first place, what, what, you know, what, it, what its use is, and how you can transfer that use and extrapolate it into the paranormal to either debunk or prove something or capture evidence. And I think that's something that is very necessary because I think a lot of people go out and spend a lot of money on equipment and then don't really know how to use it or exploit it to its fullest extent i think that's the the latter part is the more accurate to fully exploit it's uh, i mean most people know how to run a video camera uh, or a, a regular camera or, or a recorder but it's its application that you're using in this particular uh form is what may be different and how 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 to use it in, the, in its new application is something yeah i agree that people should uh be shown how to do a little bit better than just trying to do it by trial and error. Yeah. I mean, there's not, there's something to be said for learning, you know, trial by fire, but um, to have something else to go on, I think it gives you a much, um, flex, much more flexible springboard to jump from afterwards, you know, um, when you know where you're starting from. Yeah. You know? It's like driver's ed. You, you you read the owner's manual to the car. You sit in a class, and the the instructor will give you a basic idea of what's going on before you get into the car. So you have some sort of preparation before you even you know sit in the seat and turn the key. Yeah. No, you know, it, it's not like the experience, but at least it helps you prepare, and you know what theoretically you're going to be doing before you sit in the seat. Yeah. Exactly. Um. So, you know, I, we had a great turnout, and I think that, you know, that is a class that's definitely just going to grow from there. And I know, you know, we're putting together our own team to go along with the, the center, and it is going to be one of the required classes that our team members will have to take, you know, just to start from someplace. So, uh, no. and, you know, then we had Chris come in. It's just been a phenomenal day, phenomenal. Now, Elizabeth, you have an, a number of uh, events coming up, too, especially one this Friday. Oh, Hopefully yeah. a big event. Yeah. Well, I, I guess you could say it's a big event anyway. I think it's a big event. Um, we are going to be investigating the USS Salem, which is docked at the Four River um, Bridge or Four River 
something or other in Quincy. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, this ship is huge. It's enough to just be able to walk around the ship. It's over know. 900 feet long, yes. Yeah, it, yeah. And there's so many nooks and crannies to crawl in and out of and so many places to explore. I'm not sure how many decks are, there are. Do you know, Matt? Uh, it's a 900 and I believe 60 foot long battleship, correct? Yeah. And it was, it spent most of its life as a hospital ship mainly, yeah. a ship of war, although it never saw real active service, but served more as a hospital ship from other battles locally. I believe I may be wrong on the total number of decks, but I know that there are at least 10 different decks starting from the bottom all the way up to the flybridge. That sounds about right. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's a big ship, and we pretty much have the run of the entire ship. And even the last time I was there, I found this little room that the coolest somebody, it must have been some officer's quarters, but the coolest room on the entire ship, you know, had their own little social room, a little bedroom, a, you know, a shower. The whole place is amazing. Um, just the operating suite is pretty cool. It, it's still kind of set up the way it was, and... There's an adjoining hall um, between the two suites, and it's a really creepy-feeling hall, so I can't wait to get back there to try to substantiate what I was feeling um, with some equipment. Um, we can go into all the gunning rooms, and they've refurbished some of it. I think, you know, other cool parts are the brig, and, you know, if you have to remember that they, here and there they have mannequins that are dressed up as <laughs> soldiers or sailors, actually. So you're not seeing something spectral. <laughs> you're actually seeing a mannequin. So you've you got to remember that when you're you know, right. crawling around the place. But the, the ship is a museum. It's a museum, yeah. And they've got a lot of neat things to look at um, from that point of view. Um, but, you know, they have a really um, neat barber shop and the dentist's office and, you know, the quartermaster's office. And I've been on other ships and... You know, those areas are, like, super small in comparison, and this, this place was like a palace. It, you know, like, like you were saying, Matt, it was, you know, it served as a diplomatic vessel, you know, going from port to port, a lot of times um, serving underprivileged countries or backing up other ships or, you know, just doing its part in the world. And it was just, it was a very vital ship that never saw, um, never saw, what do you want to call it? Action. action. It never saw combat action. Yeah. It's one of the only battleships known that has brought more lives into the world than it has taken, actually. Because yeah. a lot of these third world countries, it was used as a hospital ship and mainly for um, uh, for obstetrics. For, yeah. For, you know, yeah. Because these third world countries didn't have the, you know, child care that, you know, we didn't. We, they were able to, you know, bring a lot of lives into this world. On yeah. board these ships, on and, board the ship. And you can see in the um, in the operating suite, one of them is set up as a berthing table. And the funny thing is, why would a ship that only had men assigned to it, that a woman never served on that ship, Correct. why would a ship like that have an obstetric table other than to birth babies, you know? So um, that's pretty cool. It, it, you know, it's just indicative of its history, of which it's very rich in. It's also rich in a lot of other kinds of history, like people that are still kind of roaming the halls and um, making their presence known. There's one story where this group came on and they took this fabulous tour and 
the guy was so knowledgeable about the trip and I mean about the ship and they he just took them from one end to the other and you know they went their own way and then they decided they wanted to tip the guy because you know it's a volunteer he's not being paid he's doing that as volunteer work they go back to tip him and only to find out that absolutely no one was working that day and doing uh, tours in other words this person stays aboard ship yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they were about to tip somebody that... Um, yeah, spend it. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, there's a lot going on. Yeah. Now, on Liz, is, is there, uh, are there still tickets available for this event? There are still tickets available, and one of the things, you know, it's $85. You get to sleep on the ship if you want to. You know, how many places can you go these days to spend the night for 85 bucks? that includes Food. your entertainment? How often and can you say you can sleep on a battleship? What's that? Oh, yeah, I know. I know, unless it's your own home <laughs> and food is included i believe yep snacks and drinks um and then our lovely personalities will be there um and a portion and a portion of the proceeds goes for the upkeep of the ship correct? absolutely yeah. more so, than more than half of that ticket price goes to the upkeep of the ship and you know they're kind of on the 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 low end of the spectrum as far as getting grants and as far as getting government money you know people think a lot of times that you know just because it's um a discharged ship from the Navy that they're still getting money from the government to keep up, to get upkeep on the ship, but they don't. They rely solely on donations and, you know, grants that they can pull in once in a while. I mean, it's in stark contrast to um, Battleship Cove, if you've ever been there, right. where those ships, you know, that's like the Ritz compared to um, the Salem, but the Salem just has something different about it. It's more real for some reason. And it really is the place to go. And it hasn't been over-investigated. Um, we'll be the third group to go in. So it's really still very new. Uh, and it, it should be a really great time. Uh, all right. How can you get tickets? You can get tickets by either calling Bay State Paranormal Center at 508-880-8696, or you can email me at State. PC, so it's Bay State Paranormal Center, but Bay State PC at AOL.com. Oh, thank you very much, Liz. Thank you. And hopefully you'll have a spooktacular evening, and we'll talk to you during the week. Absolutely. Have a good night. Thanks, guys. Thank Bye, Matt. Bye. 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 Let's bring uh, Chris back up on the line if we can. Hey, Chris, you back? Hey, what's going on, gentlemen? Not much. Just taking care of some of the uh, housekeeping details, as as we're supposed to do. You know how that I goes. I got you. I mean, you know, it's <clears throat> it's great to uh, to be received all over the world and all the people from across the globe. That, but uh, you know, Spooky South Coast is first and foremost, you know, for the people of the South Coast area. And uh, Lizzie's doing some great things there. So. That's Always willing to step aside for, for some of that kind of stuff. Well, you did one of her events before she even opened, if I'm not mistaken. Just recently you were up here. Yeah, yeah, I did. Uh, we went uh, we went out to, well, people got to hear me ramble on for about an hour, and then, uh, then I showed up. Of some of the, <laughs> and then you showed up, and things really got kicking. Um, <laughs> yeah, and then we did a tour of the Freetown State Forest, uh, a few of the different locations, the Asonet Ledge and the reservation in the Freetown State Forest, and people got to hear some of the stories that were involved in uh and then also got some time to investigate some of the locations themselves. So it, was, it ended up being a really great day, and I was able to connect with some really good investigators and just some really good people 
uh, in that area and outside of that area, people coming from as far away as Vermont to uh, to, to look at this place because this guy has such a buzz about it now. And uh, and we won't really talk kind of about what happened later radar. on. And we won't okay. talk. And we won't talk about what happened later on with you locking your keys in your car. <laughs> yeah, as I'm prone to do. That's actually the second uh, event that I've done with her where I've locked my keys in the car. So um, I pretty much consider her cursed, uh, especially now at being. <laughs> Being a foundation of the paranormal community, but uh, deep in the Bridgewater Triangle, so um, blame it on the yeah, I'm expecting wedgie. that's going to happen no matter what event I try to do with her. So I might, I might just avoid Liz altogether. It's, yeah, Maddie says it's a, it's the puck wedgies. Blame them. <laughs> well, you know, it's 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 interesting. We've been talking about you know the experienced investigator versus the non-experienced investigator and things like that, and and I don't think that you would find. Um, investigators who are, have been out in the field who are more freaked out um, during the experience that uh, you uh, and me and uh, uh, what's his name, Adam hey, and, uh, and Aaron and, and Andy had. So yeah. if you want me to share that experience, I'm yeah, happy go ahead. to do that. That, that. that was beautiful. I, I, I thought that was absolutely ironic. I, 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 well, we were. I locked my keys in the car, and so we had a lot of time to, <clears throat> to, to wait for AAA to come and get me. Three and, hours. Um, <laughs> yeah, especially when their tow truck that was coming out to get me got a flat and had to be towed. Um, you are cursed. We were to make the most of it because there's so much going on, and and, and Aaron Caju is kind of reshooting inside the Bridgewater Triangle uh, to get that out because he just had such a huge response to it. Um, so we decided, hey, well, let's get some footage down. So we, we tried several different ways to light me because uh, the sun was starting to set on the Freetown State Forest. Um, and... We could we just couldn't get it done until uh, Andy Lake had who had a kind of a portable light source. So well, let's use this, and so we're finally able to get it to hook up. And you know, I'm sitting there and you're interviewing me, and I'm and I'm talking about the the, the wampum belt, um, which is you know this kind of uh, wampanoag uh, artifact that has kind of been lost to history. And I'm ta- and I'm talking about how the, the the things that are going on in the Freetown State Forest and in the Bridgewater Triangle won't stop um, until the belt is returned. And right as I say that, the light goes off. Um, and, you know, we kind of really didn't make the connection, and we switched to batteries, and, and um, you know, as we kind of start the shooting again, you bring up the fact that the light went off right as I had said that. And so we all kind of laughed and made a joke of it, and I looked right at the light, uh, which had just got newly charged batteries or new batteries in it, and, I you know, I made a little quick joke like, oh, great womp, you know, Wampanoag spirits, I do not mean to offend me, you know, I, if I could get the belt back, I would, and boom, the light went off again. Yeah, totally drained the battery, um, boom. Right, and, and I don't think you've ever seen, you know, I mean, I know Andy is kind of new into the field, but he's got more investigations than a lot of paranormal people who have been around a lot longer, and you and me, and uh, yeah, we, the three of us, were like, basically all... We all know, lost it. <laughs> we, all, we all lost it, we all... If anything, we all just kind of thought it was extremely unusual and uh, and said it verbally in language that I'm allowed to use on the radio now. So, <laughs> you know, but it just goes to show you when you talk about those variables, when you talk about even the seasoned investigator coming across things. You know, that was we had all kind of let our guard down at that point. We were we were had switched modes. We, we had gone from investigator to uh, to filmmakers, and uh, and the paranormal still found a way to creep itself in and and, and freak us out. Yeah, it did. yes and when we couldn't get a light source the rest of the night really you know so just goes to show you it it was an interesting night and i'm glad it worked out the way it did 
because you were able to get a lot of good stuff down on film. Uh, Aaron, I'm sure, will be editing still for a while because you got a couple of good hours worth on that, and you covered a, a lot of ground. But I'd like yeah, to... I'm oh, sorry, I was going to say, I'd like to get back to uh, our discussion with the panel, but if you got one more thing to add, go for it. Nope, no, I was just going to say, and for me, going out there, it was exciting to not only see all my good paranormal friends, but to also see a lot of people that I had, that had emailed me or communicated with me since the publishing of at least Dark Woods, if not before, um, who were interested in the Bridgewater Triangle and who were interested in what was going on in Freetown to finally meet a lot of those people for the first time um, was, was really special for me. Excellent. I'd like to have some of our listeners call in, some new people that we could meet, or even some old people that we already know call in, and hear from them and what their opinion is about the paranormal. It doesn't have to be ghosts. It can be UFOs, cryptozoology, or anything else that you know pertains to the mysterious or unknown. The number is 508-996-0500 for the New Bedford area, 508-291-0500 for Wareham and the Cape. Please call in if you've got a story you want to share or an opinion about any one of the subjects. But uh, while we wait for calls, I want to toss a couple more questions to our in-studio guests, if I can. I'll ask this one to Melissa first. Okay. 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 What keeps you going back into the paranormal? What keeps drawing you back into it? Pure fascination, probably. I just absolutely love it. I love learning everything about it that I can get my hands on. I love investigating. I like the thrill of the hunt. Okay. Mike? You, Matt. Oh. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I had to say um, I'd go along with Melissa also and just also... You know, seeing new places, meeting new people, um, experiencing new things. You never know what you're going to get. You never know if there's something, you know, totally startling or, you know, getting repeated evidence over and over again in the same location. Um, you know, just basically like Melissa said, you know, it's the finding new things. New technology, too. Yeah. Really interesting. Toys. Interesting. All right. Uh, we got a call on the line. Maddie, you want to see uh, what's what? Hello, you're on the air, WBSM. I'm Matt Manese. It's Katie. How are you? Hey, Katie. How are you? I'm good. Excellent. I love having you guys over my house because every time it's <laughs> always something new. Ah, is it? Now, mm-hmm. you, now you just had some people there this weekend, did you not? I did, and there's a group here tonight also. Oh, there is. Right, Paranormal P-I-N-E. Okay. And uh, are they enjoying themselves there, as I'm sure they must be? They are. We were. Um, we went to hear Chris Pittman uh, with the girls from last night, and we just came back in. There's a group up in the attic and a group down in the basement, and they're using all kinds of different technology. They're using, um, I guess, infrared or a thermal imaging camera. They've oh, got a thermal imaging camera. They've got camera. a thermal imager. Yeah. Um, and like what Mike Markowitz had, they have... That real, like the sonic ear. Yep. That you could hear anything. So, with any luck, I mean, the girls got some stuff last night. They had, uh, they, I guess they were upstairs maybe 10 minutes and they heard a man whistle and one of them had um, some kind of camera and it had a red light and you heard a voice whisper red light. So, and, and I guess that's just like preliminary. I don't know. Well, how long were they there? They were here, um, they got here about seven thirty, eight o'clock. 
they left. Johnny flew in last night, and about 1 o'clock in the morning, they left at 1, and they were like, we're leaving, nothing much is going on. And then they listen, and then they're like, oh, they've got stuff. Yeah. I mean, what, your house is interesting that it doesn't have a lot of immediately overt things. Right. When you listen and start reviewing the data afterwards, you find all of these little trinkets in there, and it's like right. there's a lot more activity going on that the instrumentation is picking up. This right. is this is yeah, what I was... Yeah, and we've only once. I mean, uh, Lucky was here. Yep. And yes, he didn't get anything camera-wise, right, Lucky? Nope. And... The only thing that I've ever gotten is once in the attic, I got one picture with like a squiggle, and that was it. Um, I believe they got something last night. Um, I'm not sure who took the picture, but their friend Debbie was upstairs, and it was her first time going on any kind of investigation, and they got like a black mist. It looked like it was hugging her, and she had been complaining about her side was hurting her or like she felt kind mm-hmm. of funny, and they all kind of had a headache or a stomach ache, you know, every now and then up there. Mm-hmm. And she had like a black, either I don't know if it's a mist or a shadow because I haven't seen the picture yet, but around her like waist level, ah. which was pretty cool. I'm sure she'll share that. All right, that so. that sounds like they had a good time. What yeah. I'd like, what I'd like to do with you, Kay, is uh, be able to put you on hold so we can get Chris Balzano back on after we take a break. All right. Okay. Thank you. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll be talking with Chris Balzano, and uh, we'd also like to hear from you. Stay tuned to Spooky South Coast. We'll be right back. Don't look now, but Spooky South Coast is creeping up behind you right after this. Welcome back to Spooky South Coast. I'm Matt Moniz, your host for the night with the silent assassin, Matt Costa, in-house guests, Lucky and Melissa. And on the line uh, from Florida, we have Mr. Chris Balzano. Welcome back, Chris. Good to be back. All right. We also have on the line Katie. Can we bring Katie back up? Hi, Katie. We got Chris here with us. Uh, now, you had a, a group there yesterday, a group there today. Now, can I ask you a question as a homeowner Sure. that has this going on? What do you look for when you have people come to look at what you got? What's, what criteria do you look for in the people that you bring to your house to check these goings on? Well, it originally started... Um when um, when I contacted Chris the first time, I was looking for someone to, like, believe me because I knew that I was either, you know, I would see things and I knew I was seeing things and I wanted proof that I wasn't, like, crazy. And the only other people that I've invited over were I met that afternoon in the 
forest with you all, I met some really nice people, and they said they'd really love to come check it out. And I said, sure, come on. You know, the doors are open. If you want to come, by all means. You know, you guys have been a few times. and A few. You know what I mean? You're, you've always been very nice. And you know what I mean? You guys have been cool. <laughs> we haven't wrecked the joint. Nah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter if you wreck the joint. We feed you sometimes. Yeah. If you're lucky. <laughs> you know. Yeah. I've yet to get a meal, but I'm not saying anything. Well, I'm not a meal. I they made <laughs> the girls made brownies tonight, and I came home to a mess. I was oh. like, oh. and you know, Mr. Balzano, the last time you were up, I had a ton of food, but you locked your keys in the car. Yeah. See? Do you see how that works out? I'm never going to live that down. There's always evidence of it now out there. No. <laughs> That's okay. And, Matt, I told him, when when Chris was leaving, I told him that I would always be his Amityville. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll leave that one as it is. I'll definitely leave that one as it is. No, but I, I don't, I've, I have not asked anybody else. Because, you know, when we first did it, it was I was just trying to get someone to believe me and to, like, verify that I wasn't nuts. Like, to the point where everyone in my family is hearing things. Mm. Or we're all smelling something funny. Or, you know what I mean? You know that there was something out of the corner of your eye, but you just didn't get it full on. Or, you know? Right. And the only other people we have asked are people that I've met through you all. Right. You know. And you've enjoyed what we've presented to you, what we found. I'm oh, sure yeah, th- I love to hear that because <laughs> it's, it's, you know, I'm not, it's not that I'm too afraid. I'm, kind, I'm, I'm a little leery of doing it myself just because of the fact of, like, the children, like hearing the children run up and down the stairs. It kind of, like, it leaves me a little uneasy to leave. I've never once left my tape recorder up there just because every time you guys have come, there's been something, and I'm afraid that I'm going to get the kids' voice and they're, they're telling me that they're miserable being here, and I just don't want to hear it, you know? No, it's understandable because, you're, well, you're a mother yourself. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's your natural nurturing instinct, and you, you want to make sure that children are always safe, whether they're yours or somebody else's, either living or dead. The idea of a child that Stuck is... here. Yeah, and... and that's the maternal instinct in you, and I can understand that. Yeah, and I guess they had, we had gotten one, well, not we, but you guys had gotten one once, and it talked backwards, and that was a little bit, to me, not cool. Yeah. So I'm just not going to leave a tape recorder. I have gone up there. I've since made one room in the attic an office, and I do go up there to study and stuff, but... It might be a good idea for you to put a tape recorder up there yourself because they might feel more apt to talk to you because you are a mother. She's got a point. That's true. That is true. I'm just, um, I've just not done it. I mean, you guys got so many the last time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we did. Think of the cool ones you'd get, though. Yeah. No, you didn't, really? No, think of the ones you would get. Oh, I know. Yeah. She'll never leave. Why won't she get out of here? <laughs> you know? Why is she cooking that? that? <laughs> I can't go anywhere. <laughs> you know? You have about 27 people living in your house with you. That's why. At least, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, by my count, by my count at least. But, you know, it's interesting because you said you've never had 
um, an investigator come in, or you've never invited anyone, but you had an experience where someone invited themselves in. I did. And it really has to do with, I mean, you don't have to tell the story if you don't want to. I did, and you know, I will. I'll tell the story because you know me. I'll talk to a fire hydrant if you put a hat on it. Um, (laughs) It is true. Hey, we're giving you free airways here. Go for it. Right on. Well, um, there was a woman that met us that night that we were on Spooky South Coast. Okay. Um, and she had come. We had forgotten all. Yeah, but I don't care. Do it so. What's it to me? I don't care. So she did it, and she took off. No big deal. Uh, a couple weeks later, there's a car in my driveway. I'm coming home from school, and I'm like, who is that? I don't know who that is. And nobody was around, so um, I got in, brought the baby from, you know, the sitter, and th- there's a knock at the door, and it's this woman, and she's brought another woman who is a psychic slash medium. Mm-hmm. And she says, do you mind if I come in? I'm like, um, okay. What am I going to do? Say no. You know, I'm holding the baby, whatever. So she comes in, and she says, she begins by telling me that there's a woman with salt and pepper hair standing on my front porch. Her hair's up. I think it's in a bun or something. And she doesn't speak much English, and she said she's waiting for her husband. And she, she explained that she was a medium. And she said, um, I don't know which one of them's passed, if he's passed first or if she's passed, and... But she's waiting for her husband. And she says, do you mind if we walk through your house? And I'm like, um, all right. So, because I'll talk to you. I don't care. And we're walking through the house, talking. And we get all the way up in the attic, and the woman's talking. And she's like, it's like walking through marshmallow. Your house is like walking through marshmallow. And then the spirit photographer tells me that I've got to have my house. My house needs to be clean. I'm like, yeah, I know. It's messy. She goes, no, your house needs to be clean. Cleaned. I, you need to clean it out, or you know, I need to get rid of all kinds of clutter. And they want to do a cleansing of my house, and I'm like, um, and I was kind of torn by that because what if you know, what if it's not that they're just here? Maybe they're just passing through. I don't know. You know, I don't know. Maybe they're happy here. I, and it just, it was very pushy, and you know, she. I let her say what she had to say, and then they had to go, and I was just like, I was just going to, like, let it drop, no big deal. But then she came back two days later with, like, a folder full of stuff on hauntings and, like, cleansing of hauntings, and I was like, okay. And then she came back a third time. I I was at work, and my husband said, that lady left an envelope for you with a questionnaire, all kinds of questionnaires of, like, what kind of ha- hauntings and how, when does it happen and who's here when it happens. And and she she was really pushy about how I have to do it. And you know I don't use my Ouija board. I had it from when I was a teenager, and it's right. been in the attic. I never use it, and I promise you that I would never use it here. You know I would never. And it just it came when I moved in. It was in the box with my Scrabble, for crying out loud. Right so, next to Parchesium Monopoly. Yeah, right. I, no, it, I got it you. was in there with all my other games, you know. I didn't treat it as whatever, and I won't use it here. And she's like, you need to take that, and you need to bring it to the church, whatever, whatever the heck it is in Fairhaven. You need to put it on the back step there, 
And if I had, like, I have tarot cards. I've got all kinds of crap. You know my house. It's, yes. It's but, crazy. But my question is, this woman repeatedly came back unsolicited? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. She has not been back since, since she brought my husband the questionnaire, and, and I didn't fill it out and send it back, and I haven't called her. She's left me a card, and I'm just like, ooh, crazy. And I wasn't going to call her. Someone's more crazy than me out there, you know? Well, you're not crazy. And, but uh, you know what I mean, goofy. Oh, no, I, I, I understand what you mean, but, you know, doing things like that, if you're wanting to investigate the place, you, you accept an invitation. You do not invite yourself into it. Uh, inviting like yourself, inviting yourself into it, invites you know disaster. In my yeah. opinion. Well, when she came to the door and said, "Can I come in?" and I'm like, "Sure, whatever," and you know, that's fine. But then she was like really insisting that uh, I do a cleansing on the house, and I'm like, I called my husband. I'm like, I don't want to do that. And without knowing what's going on in your house, she really has no basis to say that you need a cleansing. Right, it, but the psychic was telling her that it's like walking through marshmallows uh, and there's right. this going on and there's this going on and it's there's activity evidence, and they're though. hiding in the eaves. And Besides, I'm like, you don't know her credibility I, I either. No, I don't. Really, the, the reason why I wanted you to share that story is that it has a lot to do with, with what report. I don't want. <laughs> <laughs> but with rapport, I mean, you know, if I were to tell you something, and if I were to tell you that these are the steps you should take, or I were to tell you, uh, here's what might be going on, you would trust me because right. we have a relationship. We you have know, a rapport. Right. That kind of way, but we've got rapport. We've worked with each other. We've established. Don't take that back, back from me after putting it forward like me to that. Sleep over your house. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That's why I said it. That, I said it very <laughs> He retracted that so fast, man. <laughs> <it's, laughs> yes. <laughs> but um, but it's that's an important part of the paranormal. I know. It's the part that, unfortunately, a lot of people who are into the paranormal lack some basic social skills. Yeah. Uh, it seems to draw in people who um, are gruff or who are, are, are very... Um, Over-exuberant? Uh, well, they, don't, they don't necessarily play well with others, yes. Mm. And, so, and so, you know, you can't, you can't help someone and you can't understand unless you're spending more time listening than talking. And unless you develop a relationship, and, and I know that the first time we were in your house, probably five minutes into it, um, you said you were telling us the story about the smells, the weird smells and the yep. smell of garbage. Mm-hmm. And, and Matt, you can tell me if you remember this, you and I looked at each other, and we were both thinking the same yep. thing at the same time, like, that's something bad. Yeah, yeah. that's um, usually when the earmarks of something. And yet we yeah. didn't share that with her at the time, nope. because it would have completely freaked her out. Right. And we would have probably lost a lot of credibility to her because, you know, we went into the house and we, you know, automatically made a judgment about it mm-hmm. as opposed to working with her, understanding the dynamics of everything, understanding mm-hmm. the structure right. of the house. And those and are the things that new investigators really need to learn, and that's the most valuable tool is that, that, that patience and rapport that yeah. you really need to be a good investigator. Well, it's the minute I heard her talking about the smell, of course, you and I looked at each other and we started thinking immediately something really negative. But I was like, I'm not going to make that jump immediately until I look at the rest of the house. Is there something wrong with her plumbing or septic system? What is the location? And I determined that that smell possibly, Katie, could have been coming from the Kushnet River, which is less than a stone's throw from your house. Mm-hmm. And that's a tidal river that... Uh, the uh, shall we say the wastewater for the town gets dumped into upstream, 
Mm-hmm. So uh, occasionally when the tide gets low and or you have a certain type of flow, that type of smell will, if you have the windows open or even not open, can leach into your house and you will get that occasional smell. Heat and humidity. And, and then yeah. by investigating the house more, even on that first trip where we just walked through, we really didn't, even though we still got evidence, we really weren't investigating. We were just kind of getting a feel to the house. We realized that in that house, smells drift. Yes. Um she had a candle lit on the first floor in the bathroom. We were able to smell it across the house. Yes. Yeah. Uh, just because, the, and, and it became a really valuable tool. And we didn't jump on automatically and go, well, you know what? You've got demons, and here's what we need to do. Um, you know, and a very the, uh, an exact opposite thing happened with a, a case that I had as I left Massachusetts. I actually got it on the, the person called me with the initial contact. I was, I was out on the road to Florida. And it eventually got passed off to another team. And... Um, they never went out and they never met with the woman and they never talked to her because they made an automatic assumption based on, um, you know, their initial conversation that, you know, everything was happening because of spores and, you know, something negative was, it was all in their brain and, and that's what they were experiencing and they never investigated. And you know what? She's never called me back. She's never, as far as I know, followed up with any of the things because her initial experience with the paranormal was a negative one. You know, and I say this in the book, and, and a few people have brought up to me that they think it's a really great line. When you are in uh, a house, especially, but anywhere, but when you're in a house, you are a representative of the paranormal community. Whether you want that responsibility or you don't. Exactly. People, especially people who do not know about ghosts and do not know about the paranormal world, will learn from you, and you're their contact to that world. And so if that experience is a negative one, they might really miss out on an opportunity to help themselves and maybe even understand something. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, you, you, you're pretty much right on the nail with that. I agree. I mean, we're we're coming up to the end of the show here, but um, Katie, I definitely want to thank you very much for calling in and letting us know what's been going on in there. Oh, anytime. And uh, I would like to schedule some time uh, in after the new year to get in there myself and uh i want to set up like what chris wanted to do uh some cameras and some recording equipment to happen up overnight and, um, sure you know you're always welcome the door's always open and of course i'll be expecting food this time yes oh. food for sure <laughs> i'm gonna cook him dinner well, well uh, that's fine with me i'm not gonna lock see, my keys in my car you see i know you won't turn it away <laughs> I work this is going to be handing out tissues. Will Paranormal investigate for food? Yeah, well, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Again, thank you, Katie. We'll be Anytime. in touch. All right. Have a good night. Thank you, night. ma'am. Night. Bye. Bye. Good one, Katie. Bye-bye. Bye. And thank you very much uh, for joining us. Uh, now, Lucky and Melissa, can I ask you one or two more questions before we have to go? We've got roughly about four minutes before of course the, you can, the end right. of the show. But getting back into what, what the average person in their paranormal thinks and, and stuff like that, that's what this whole show has been about. You know, uh, one of the last things I, I want to ask is, do you like doing group or individual vigils? Hmm. I prefer individual. Okay. Because there, there isn't, for me, I can center myself better without other real live people around me. So I can just focus on the things that aren't alive around me. The real dead people. Exactly. Yeah, gotcha. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> A defined group. Do you, do you mean like. A group m- is more than one. Well, one, I always, I always like to have 
more than one, just so if I do hear something, someone else hears something, I do know that it wasn't just me hearing that. A checks and balances. Yeah. So, but if you're talking about like groups of 10, 15, 20 people, I mean, as you know, we've been on things together where we've had hundred people, 150 yes. people yes. with us that were, you know, teaching stuff to people too. And then, you know, that becomes, everything is tainted. I mean, there's 15 people coughing, you yeah. know, and you're never going to get anything ironclad EVP wise. So I, I would say I like to do stuff if it's a big place, you know, a huge place like Waverly, 10 people. But if it's like a, you know, private house, two or three. So I kind of, I guess I would prefer. At least four. So you at least have pairs. Yeah. yeah. You at least have, a, you know, if you're going, you know, pairs and then, you know, it help, it's good to help them set up some stuff too. Yeah. All right. And um, how about this? Has the media influenced any of your involvement in the paranormal? In other words, has uh, watching shows caused you to change the way that you investigate in any manner, or what the way the way you look at investigating, for well, that matter? For me, it has absolutely. I mean, they're always bringing out new, uh, cutting edge um, tools to go about investigating uh, the Frank's box, for instance, the K two meter. I, I would have never learned about those if I hadn't been watching shows like you know Ghost Hunters or Paranormal State. So, so that's definitely something that I've learned from watching those kinds of shows. Um, I think that watching different types of media and stuff like that did, I mean, it kind of gives you a little bit more of a, hey, you know, I want to get out there and do something, you know. It gives you a little more of a, you know, there's more people out there doing it now, and a little more socially acceptable, it seems. Um, also gives me some, they're, they're questioning techniques. Sometimes it gives you new ideas of asking questions here and there. And like Melissa said, I mean, technology-wise sometimes. And then, and then, again, also it's great for not only us, but, like, people, you know, out in the middle of nowhere that, or other parts of the country that don't have access to people like, you know, you, Matt, Mon Matt Moniz, and people there. You know, has a lot of people out there can watch the shows and learn from them as well. All right. All right. Thank you both for uh, joining us in the studio. Chris, I want to thank you very much. Uh, you got about 30 seconds to say whatever you need to before we have to cut out. Uh, I, I just want to thank you very much for allowing me in on the discussion. I mean, I love, uh, love coming on the show as always. And um, I wish you guys good luck in the new year because it's only two months away. So, <laughs> so uh, I hope to you know, please visit uh, www.masscrossroads.com and uh, see kind of what's going on there. And definitely please visit us at uh, ghostvillage.com uh, backslash news if you want to see the news section of what I'm doing with that. And uh, and uh, you can get all the links to the kids in the classroom and things uh, things like that we were discussing. So I just want to thank you for, for having me on again. I always love being with you guys. Well, thank you very much. And I want to thank all our listening audience and uh for Matt Costa and for myself and for Tim Weisberg, who's out in the ethers, <laughs> I want you all to stay spooktacular, as Tim would say. Rest assured, listener, that my time here has not been easy, and what you have just heard was not fiction. Although, in many a desperate moment, I most certainly wish it had been. It's over for now, it seems. Or at least, until yesterday begins again. Tomorrow, 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 tomorrow. Look, I know the supernatural is something that isn't supposed to happen, but it does happen.